the Greek word for church is ekklesia. And I fully realize that by starting my sermon with the phrase, the Greek word for, half of you instantly fell asleep. Could the half of you still awake please nudge the sleeping ones and tell them that, yeah, this may actually be interesting. Bear with me. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. It's the word used in the New Testament. When you see church, that's the word. And it's an interesting word. It doesn't sound interesting, I know, but work with me here. Ekklesia is a compound word in Greek. Two Greek words that form the one. The first word is ek, which means out of. And then a version of the verb kaleo, which means to call. Ekklesia, church, means to call out of or to be called out. And that, my friends, is all that I remember from five years of Greek. Thank you. <laughs> but I googled some more and check this out. The word ekklesia was not just a Christian word. In fact, it was a political word. It was a word, it was as a proper noun, it was the name given to the principal assembly of democracy in the birthplace of democracy in ancient Athens. The name ekklesia was chosen to kind of give a name to the body of the people who were called out from their isolation, from their homes, from their individualism, and called out to come together as one body and be the democratic body that, that decided the future of Athens. This group did the business of their community. They were called out to do the business of the community. And at some point between Pentecost Sunday and when the New Testament was written, someone decided that this very well-known, very used and political term, ecclesia, would be the best term to describe Christ's followers. And it makes sense because the text that Betsy just read to us a moment ago is the first picture we get of the church really being the church. This is the moment when the church becomes the ecclesia. When Pentecost Sunday began, there were just a crowd of worshipers gathered from the four corners of the Jewish world into Jerusalem. And they showed up because Pentecost, for us, it's a Christian holiday. For them, it was a Jewish feast where they came together and they arrived at Jerusalem as one of their big feast days. But it was a very individualized uh, feast as families and they would travel from different uh, parts of the country. And they may not even know people when they arrived except for those who they had traveled with. And this group of individuals came together, and on that moment, as we heard read two Sundays ago, the Spirit comes, the disciples start speaking in everyone's native language. And the crowd hears what the, the Peter's testimony, the story of Jesus and all that had happened 50 days before. And they respond, what should we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And we're told 3,000 people that day are baptized. And if we were organizing worship that day, we would have celebrated the 3,000 being saved. Somebody would have written it up in the newsletter for sure. We would have staged a massive group photo that we can then send to the Des Moines Register. A church adds 3,000 members on one Sunday. We'd get them all on the mailing list and make sure they got that stewardship tithing card for sure. The denomination would be talking about this day for years. We'd be writing books uh, your pastors would be on speaking tours, how to grow a church by 3,000 in one Sunday. 
But in the midst of all the hubbub and hullabaloo, theological terms, I wonder if we ever would have thought, now what? We have a crowd of 3,000 people, but how does that crowd become community? How does the crowd become ecclesia? Thankfully, someone on that Pentecost Sunday had some sense, and they organized these 3,000 people into small groups. They began to meet together in homes, little house meetings scattered all around Jerusalem. 3,000 people divided up into groups of 5, of 10, of 20. They met in living rooms around tables. The crowd was called out into a community. And once in community, what did they do? The text tells us they broke bread, just like Jesus broke bread with his disciples on the night he was betrayed. They broke bread. They had communion. They prayed and were told that they had all things in common. Now, this doesn't mean that they were all alike, that they did everything the same way. Surely not. We've been in church a time or two. We're never alike, even when we think we are. They had all things in common meant that they shared a common life together. They had community, true community. And you can imagine how this happened. They're, there they are sitting in Caiaphas and Chloe's home. And Ophelia starts talking about how she's struggling to have enough food to feed her children after her husband died. And Hector begins to tell a story about the massive debt he's occurred from the funeral cost of his father. And Jude and Phoebe talk about the struggles of not being able to find an adequate place to live. And Sophia talks about her son's illness that just won't go away. And hearing these stories, this house, these house church communities, they begin to pray together. But somewhere along the way, someone says, you know, maybe we should do something. There's some real suffering in our community. People have some pressures that are facing their families. We need to do something. They had to do something. And scripture tells us that they had all things in common. But what happens next? Next, they go into action. Once the crowd became a community, they could no longer ignore the concerns of the community, the needs of their neighbors. They had to act. And so we're told they sold all their possessions and their goods. They created a common pot of money and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, the scripture says, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home. They ate their food with glad and generous hearts. And they praised God and they had the goodwill of all the people, even the people who weren't a part of their community. And day by day, the Lord adds to their numbers more and more people want to be a part of this true community. Now, this summer, we're exploring what it means to be a church with power. Last week, we looked at that word power and tried to get rid of our bad taste for the word. Yes, power can corrupt. The famous quote from Lord Acton is that power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. But power really is nothing more than the ability to act, the energy to do the things that you need to do and powerlessness is not being able to act on the pressures that face you, the things going wrong that you see in the world, and powerlessness can also corrupt. Last week we looked at that quote from Martin Luther King Jr., which said that love and power must go together. Power without love, he said, is reckless and abusive, and love without power is sentimental and anemic. 
If you love someone, if you love a community, then you must have the power to act on behalf of that community, to stand up for any injustice that faces people in the community, to act in proactive ways, to show your love. Love is more than words and songs and prayers. Love is action. Love and power go together. They are generative. They birth new life. And when a church becomes more than a crowd, when a church becomes a community, this is what happens. You begin to love each other like a family, and like a family, you act on behalf of each other. You help, you protect, you work together for justice. So how are we doing as a church, as a community? Do we know the pressures affecting each other? And, and what about the community around us? What what happened if we talked more to the crowds around our church and if they began to become community to us as we heard their stories, as we talked to our neighbors, those in Norwalk and Warren County throughout this whole region? What if we did a neighborhood walk or had a community meeting, invited people into our homes and shared a meal and talked about what was really going on in our lives? What would we hear What would our city become like? What if we heard a story from someone who said that they had tried and tried but can't find adequate work? What would we do? Or a family who shared about their daughter who can't get adequate mental health care. Or a family who's struggling to pay their medical bills every day along with student loan debt and rent and they just can't get ahead. As we heard stories, the crowd would become a community. We'd be motivated to act on what we heard. We would realize that our calling is bigger than just those here in the sanctuary, but our calling is to all those around us, to this community that we might become a community. For a community is not just something that happens. It's something we will into existence. We become community when we're called out of our isolation. The ecclesia in ancient Athens, they came together. They did the business of their town, of their uh, government. The ecclesia was the body responsible for declaring war, for setting local policies, for nominating and electing public officials. They did the work. What would it look like if we came together to do the business of our community, to ensure that in our community, no one around us would have any need That we all would be cared for. That our public officials were held accountable. That our society was just. That the laws that were passed helped and did not harm families. And that no one among us had any need as we held all things in common. What would it look like? Well, it looked a lot like ecclesia. Like church. Like a church with power. A church in love with each other. A church in love with their community. Transforming the crowds into true beloved community. Where love and power goes together. And as Dr. King kept saying. Love implements the demands of justice. And justice uses its power to correct everything. That stands in the way of love. May God transform us from crowd into community, and may God give us the spirit to be ecclesia as he calls us together and calls us out of this place into the world. Amen. Let us now come to the table as those disciples did on that Pentecost Sunday. We gather again at the Lord's table. Mm-hmm.